Welcome to the wicket. Welcome to a new episode of The Wicket, the weekly cricket podcast by Arab News that looks at the latest news and results from around the Middle East, Asia and the world. I'm Brian Murgatroyd and with me today and every week is Arab News columnist John Pike and also cricket reporter Subash Humagain. We've got a lot to get through this week, so let's get cracking. Plenty to talk about. We've got the latest from the ICC Cricket World Cup in India a T20 tri-series in Nepal involving Nepal, the UAE and Hong Kong, a warm-up for all three sides that event ahead of the T20 World Cup qualifiers in Nepal that start on the 30th of October. And Sebastian Humagain is there. Oman against Afghanistan A, that's taking place in Oman. It represents Oman's preparation for that T20 World Cup qualifier. There's the ACC Men's Under-19 Premier Cup going on in Malaysia. That's uh, ongoing. And, of course, uh, in the the near future, there's the ILT-20 UAE Player Draft. That takes place on Friday, the 20th of October. And we'll have more details of that in our next podcast. But uh, let's crack on then. And the topic uh, that's on everyone's lips at the moment, of course, is the ICC Cricket World Cup. Afghanistan and the Netherlands, they've brought this World Cup to life with their wins against uh, England, the reigning champions, and South Africa. Uh, John, let's start with you, if I may. Afghanistan, uh, what a performance by them against England the spin threat of Nabi, Mujib and Rashid, you have to say all they really lack is consistency to make themselves a top-class side. Yes, I agree with that. What I'm disappointed about, and I'm sure I'm not alone, is the the performance of England. They're lacklustre, leaden-footed. I just got the impression they're not not playing 50-over cricket. Um, They're caught somewhere between 20-over and 50-overs, it seems. The Two bowlers, you know, Sam Curran and, and uh, Chris Wokes. Dreadful figures. I can't imagine that one of those is going to play in, in, the, in the next match. And it's also pretty strange that Ben Stokes, whether he's fit or not, didn't play in that match. They probably needed him. Uh, maybe they're a little bit complacent, thinking that Afghanistan could be beaten easily and they'd save him for the South Africa match. But either way, it looks to me like they're in a little bit of disarray. Take nothing away. Absolutely, from uh, from Afghanistan's performance. Yes, uh, a, a loss for England against New Zealand in their opening match. Now a loss against Afghanistan. They haven't got a lot of wiggle room from here on in, have they? No, they have very little wiggle room. I mean, they've got uh, Netherlands to play. Now, Netherlands have proved that they are not necessarily any pushover. Uh, they've got Pakistan to play. They've got India to play. They've got South Africa to play. And, of course, they've got Australia to play. Now, in order to get into the last four... Surely they've got to win three out of those games against the top teams and also have to beat the Netherlands, I would think. And the way they're playing at the moment, you know, one would have severe doubts unless they can regroup. Well, the Netherlands, uh, this result comes from the time, I guess, uh, that they spent in, in the World Cup Super League, uh, their win against South Africa. They learned a lot by playing against better sides on a regular basis. And, and this is the end product. 
Well, yes, in a, in, in a way, that's true. But they hadn't played any ODI cricket since they qualified in what the middle of July. Now, you know, one could argue that both ways, that um, they've had a break and, and have you know, worked on things. On the other hand, one could argue that they were much rusty. And certainly in the, I mean, I was fortunate to be there last night. And the first part of their innings was pretty average. I have to say they looked well beaten at, you know, five down for 120. Um, Scott Edwards, the captain, looked like he could only play one shot, which is a sweep. Uh, and then all of a sudden uh, they decided that they would, they would take the attack to the South Africans. Um, Edwards started unfurling shots that didn't know he had. Uh, and Van der Merck, of course, helped him. And, and then there were some lusty blows at the end. Uh, and it really did elevate um, the crowd. Uh, and it was a pretty impressive and competitive total, uh, as it turned out to be. One thing that did stand out for me was that, um, and it did also occur to me in the previous South African match, that when they're under pressure, the South Africans look flustered and act flustered. And they certainly bowled flustered. Uh, they bowled a twen- total of 21 wides in that match last night. Now that's another you know, three and a half overs in a game you know, reduced to 43 overs per side. That's ill-discipline. That shouldn't be happening. Players of, of that experience and ability. Could we call it a blip by the South Africans after they were so impressive <laughs> in, in earlier performances? Or, or is there something uh, more concerning for them, do you think? Yeah, I would have thought there's something more concerning. I, I thought the, there was a very interesting tactic um, deployed by the Netherlands. They opened with two spinners. Clearly, South Africa weren't expecting that, and and they they they, they couldn't master them. And I think that uh, I think that's something that will have been spotted by other sides. If you can if you can get amongst that top order, the tail looks long, and I I think it would become I guess I would be concerned. And and the, the I say they're bold with ill discipline. They seriously need to tighten up if they're going to capitalise on on the previously good start they had. Sebash, let's have your take on the wins for Afghanistan and the Netherlands. Uh, what did you make of what's happened? Afghanistan win, I think that was beckoning because the way Afghanistan have been playing in recent years, we were expecting this surprise, but uh, the way they performed, it was not a surprise. It was expected result. And the way the team performed, especially start from the uh, Ron Munla Grubas, so that kept up the momentum and uh, the way the spinners, the captain used the, the field setup, uh, they were all excited with, with the wickets and the crowd support helped them a lot as well. The home support that uh, they have been using the Indian ground for so long, so that helped a bit and I think Afghanistan's performance in recent years also showed that they, they couldn't be taken easily and England were unlucky one to face that travel. And what about the Netherlands? Uh, what about that victory against uh, South Africa? I'm sure uh, very few people predicted that. Yeah, the way South African batsmen were playing in the previous matches, this was totally unexpected. And the rain, uh, the, it was a spoiled start for both the teams. And Netherlands, uh, special mention to the captain, Scott Edwards, he kept up the momentum. He rescued the team and the bowlers just continued what he started in the first innings. So for Netherlands, the West Indies game in the qualifiers and the Scotland scare that they paid off. I think that that was, uh, they had to make up their mark uh, that they have gone over the test nations to get the birth in the World Cup. And I think that the yesterday's match was one good, good, good point for them to show for the World Cricket. John, let's talk about uh, the hosts, India. Can anyone get near them in this tournament? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, again, it's everywhere I go, everybody I speak to, 
is expecting, um, if not demanding, that India win this tournament. I think there are, say, five teams who are actually battling to play against them in the final, to be almost sacrificial lambs. I, I, I cannot see them being stopped. They're, they're, they're quick bowlers have stepped up. Uh, the captain made runs against Pakistan. Kohli has made runs. They've got... Um, Sky back in the team. Raul looks imperious. I just, I, it would be a major, major shock uh, if they didn't go through to the final. Can see them losing? It will take a major upset, a major performance by one of those other sides to do that. Be very surprised. It's it's all geared one way. Sebastian, just talk to us about Pakistan, that loss against India, a disastrous collapse. They lost eight wickets for 36, having reached 155 for two at one point. What can we say about them? I think lack of responsibility from the middle or especially South Sakila and Iftikar, much was expected from them. They just had to stay, give support to Rizwan. Babar and Rizwan were set, had set the tone for Pakistan team. But uh, the the crowd took over and South Sakil, I think he should be gutted that he had a chance to make his mark in this team. And now that he's failed, Pakistan are in deep, deep trouble now. And Australia, the game against Australia is going to be a shootout between both the teams. I think the recent results of Afghanistan and Netherlands have given Australia a huge push to, uh, for that semi-final battle and uh, Pakistan would be gutted that they couldn't perform after that start from Bauer and his one. John, let's talk about uh, New Zealand. They're set to be without Captain Kane Williamson again after a, th- a freak thumb injury where a throw hit him on the hand just as he's come back, of course, from his long-term knee injury. It's another setback for them. They've managed to uh, get over all the setbacks that have been thrown in front of them so far. Can they keep going again now? Yes, I think they can. Uh, major blow, yes. Uh, for Kane, it was, a, as you say, a desperately unfortunate and freak uh, injury. I shouldn't think that the fielder will be getting a birthday card from Kane. It was one of those really unnecessary things, and you could tell straight away that he knew he was in trouble. Let's talk about him being available for the last stage of the tournament, but then you know, he's then got to gear up to bat properly again, and he showed that he was he was going began to go through the gears in the later part of his innings. Um, they're a resilient bunch, you know. You know my view on them. Uh, I think I'm 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 not yet dissuaded that they can't overcome um, another setback. And Australia, John, a first win yeah. against Sri Lanka. But does this mean everything's rosy in the garden now? I don't necessarily rosy, but they they must have had some. Um, pretty serious uh, internal talks. They made uh, what appeared on the surface to be a, a curious change, almost a scapegoat change of uh, replacing Alex Carey. It worked. I think that they, the, the main issue is the stodginess of Smith and Labuschagne at this level. Whether they get broken up, I think Travis Head is on the way to recovery, very close to return. You know, his aggressive style is, is better suited to ODN. Of course, he can bowl. So I think Australia have got a couple of, couple of things to to, um, to improve on and strengthen with. So uh, I wouldn't be writing them off yet. John, you've maintained it's a battle between six to make the four semi-final spots, with those six being India, New Zealand, South Africa, Pakistan, England and Australia. Who are you looking at at the moment on the basis of what you've seen for those four positions? You, you've obviously mentioned India already as uh, cast yes. iron certainties, yeah. but who yeah. else? Who else aside from them? Well, I'd be surprised if New Zealand don't get there. I think they they, they look well organised, well managed, 
very competent uh, unit. I think Australia are going to sneak in to that four. We've got some pretty big matches, some some shootouts coming up, and they're going to determine uh, ultimately those those four positions. I'm not convinced that England are going to be able to improve enough. So I'm going for, yes, India, New Zealand. I'm going for Australia. I've always felt that Pakistan wouldn't get there for various reasons. So uh, we're then looking at probably South Africa, England as, as, uh, as contenders. And a lot's going to hinge on Saturday's match between these two. Both bruised and shaken from uh, shock defeats. The only question of which one of those two sides has got to come out in, in better health and better spirit. It should be a hell of a game. Now, the Men's Cricket World Cup isn't the only action taking place in Nepal. There's a T20 tri-series between the hosts, the UAE and Hong Kong, with all three sides using it as a warm-up for the main event. And that main event is the Asian T20 World Cup qualifiers that start in Nepal on October the 30th. That tournament involves eight sides. That's Bahrain. Hong Kong, Kuwait, Malaysia, Nepal, Oman, Singapore and the UAE. And two of them will win through to the T20 World Cup in the USA and the Caribbean next year. Now, Sebas is in Nepal for the Tri-Series and he can offer us his thoughts now on that Tri-Series and the T20 World Cup qualifier that follows. Sebas, uh, you've got uh, quite a period of cricket to come in Nepal now. Yeah, a week full of uh, cricket coming up and it's a festive season. It's the sign in Nepal and it will be public holiday for a week. So a, a lot of cricket coming up and the fans are flocked in already, uh, already waited in the ticket booth. We can see for the match, first match itself. And uh, the World Cup qualifier is biggest occasion because Nepal has not been able to play the World Cups for 10 years now and they have playing qualifiers at home. Much is expected from this team. Monty Desai is unbeaten at home and that sets up the tone for this big occasion. And what about the prospects of uh, those three sides in the Tri-Series, the UAE, Hong Kong and uh, Nepal? What are your expectations for the three teams? Uh, I think this uh, tournament will be a bigger push for uh, UAE and Hong Kong because the ground that has been used for the tournament will be the ground, the same ground the UAE and Hong Kong will be playing the group matches because Bulpani Cricket Ground is hosting its first ever T20I in this series. So this will be a, a better preparation for UAE and Hong Kong to get used to the environment, the conditions, because the new the, the, the pitch is newly laid and there has not been much cricket in this pitch. So UAE and Hong Kong will be try, will try to get much use of its conditions. And for Nepal, I think they are playing in new secondary ground for this tournament and they'll look to fine-tune their squad for the World Cup qualifiers. They've got 18 players in the team. And their main spinners on the Plamishana is not in the team. So uh, there's a big issue in the spin department, which is considered the biggest strength in Nepalese team. Lalit Narayan Rajbansi, he had done his beauty bone, he's had surgery. And it's been six weeks since uh, he's had surgery and he's trying to make his comeback. So Nepal will be looking to fine-tune their squad while UAE and Hong Kong will try to settle in these new conditions. Oman are warming up for that T20 World Cup qualifier by hosting Afghanistan A in Doha. They've already played two one-day matches, both won by a strong Afghanistan A side, and now they're playing five T20s. The first match was played on Tuesday, the 17th of October, and it was a crushing win for Oman, actually, by nine wickets with eight overs to spare as Kashyap, Prajapati, who scored 100 in the 50-over World Cup qualifier in Zimbabwe, and Akib Ilyas, 
who's recovered from a tumour in his ankle to return to playing, they made light of the Afghan score of 112 for nine. An indication of that strength in Afghanistan A's ranks is that the side includes Hazratullah Zazai, who hit six sixes in an over in the Afghanistan Premier League when that took place in Sharjah a few years ago. There's wicketkeeper batter Mohammed Shahzad, the great entertainer. There's all-rounder Karim Janat, and, and wrist spinner Case Ahmed as well, who's been in demand all around the world for his ability in T20 cricket. Oman, well, they're packed with the core of the side that played in the 50-over World Cup qualifier in Zimbabwe in June and July and made the Super 6 stage. So it's a terrific series for both teams to test their mettle. John, uh, it's ideal preparation for Oman, that, isn't it, uh, leading into the uh, T20 World Cup qualifier? Yes, it is. Pretty well now, perfect, and it'll be even more perfect. It will be perfect if they manage to come out on top in the series. The the initial omens, as you mentioned from the first match, are uh, very clear from a very um, substantial nine-wicket win. One gets the feeling that Oman have got the bit between their teeth. They've had a couple of recent disappointments qualifying, and I, I, it looks like they want to set the record straight. And this is a very good opportunity to uh, show what they're capable of doing. They are going to provide, I think, pretty stern opposite challenges to UAE and Nepal in the regional qualifier. Um, and in a way, it's good to see that they can bounce back from from uh, very recent disappointments. The Asian Cricket Council Under-19 Premier Cup, that's taking place in Malaysia with the final on Tuesday, the 24th of October. It involves 16 teams divided into four groups. Group A has got Nepal, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia and Iran. Group B features the UAE, Oman, Qatar and China. Group C includes Singapore, Kuwait, Thailand and the Maldives. And Group D has got Hong Kong, Malaysia, Japan and Indonesia. We'll have a full wrap of that event in our next podcast. And something else to look out for in that next podcast will be the result of the ILT20 draft for UAE players. That's due to happen on Friday, October the 20th, with the six franchises in the UAE's international T20 event looking to select 13 players between them to complete their rosters of local players. Each team must have four UAE players on its books, and two of them must be in each starting lineup. 11 players have already been retained by the franchises, so very soon we'll find out who will be slotting in alongside them. Asif Khan was the leading run scorer and left-arm spinner Haider Ali, the top wicket-taker in the development tournament that preceded this draft. That's a tournament that's acted as a shop window for the players to put themselves forward for selection. We'll let you know who's been picked up and by which teams in our next episode. So with the week to come, what's on your radars, gentlemen, uh, World Cup or otherwise? Sebastian, if I can start with you, obviously there's some big games to come in the World Cup. Australia against Pakistan, England against South Africa and India against uh, New Zealand. You're, of course, in Nepal for the T20 Tri-Series. What, uh, what are your expectations for the week ahead? Yeah, uh, my preference would be look, looking at Nepal uh, playing against UAE and Hong Kong as they fine-tune the performance for the World Cup qualifiers. The qualifiers uh, from the following week will be a big one because uh, UAE and Hong Kong will pose a threat. Uh, Oman will join the party. A week later, um, there the will be much big things at stake for these associate teams. And regarding the World Cup, I think it, Pakistan and Australia both would be ready to get that win. I think uh, only one with the 
with the permutations and combinations in the, the World Cup, only one team will be able to go forward and they will like to get that win. Talking about India and New Zealand, I think they're two favourites to go through. They've been unbeaten, they've been performing brilliantly and India with their home team, I think they'll be the first one to get the semi-final berth booked away. I don't know, but I'm going to get to Mumbai for the England-South Africa. That's certainly one on my radar. Yes, the India-New Zealand match in Dharamsala is, is a mouth-watering prospect. I don't know how many local supporters they're going to find to be able to provide the, the support for the, the host nation, but I'm, I'm sure they will manage it somehow. The other interesting thing going forward for next week is what are the Netherlands going to perform like in their, their forthcoming matches? Having been sort of rather unsympathetically written off by many as having no hope, now they now have plenty of hope. They play Australia uh, in Delhi next Wednesday, October 25th, and I'm hoping to be at that match. They then you know, they play Bangladesh on the Saturday. So if one's looking for a dark horse to upset a few more, there is, of course, Afghanistan, but um, but the Dutch seem to have uh, come up with a formula that um, might take a bit of getting used to by the big teams. Well, there's been plenty of good cricket all around the world over the past week, and there'll be plenty more to come. And we, of course, will bring you uh, all the reaction to that here on The Wicket. But thanks for joining us on this podcast. We'll be back soon with more cricket chat from the Gulf region, Asia and worldwide. Please don't forget to like, subscribe and comment on what you've heard wherever you get your podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback and let us know if there's anything you'd like us to feature in future episodes. For now, though, this is Brian Murgatroyd along with John Pike and Sebastian Hummergain saying thanks very much for listening and we look forward to your company next time. <laughs>